Help us to be a church that loves your word. Give us the passion and the desire to read your word each day, not as a work that needs to be done, but as a joy and a true privilege. We'd like to pray for Rob today as he brings your message. May he be faithful in presenting your word. Your word can bring comfort, it convicts and it instructs. Help us to hear your message today on family, no matter how good or how messed up our own family is. Help us to think how it might apply to us personally and not just how it might apply to others. We ask that Jesus reign supreme in our own heart, sovereign over the details of our lives, ruling over our motives and plans. We pray, come Lord Jesus, come. We pray all this in Jesus' mighty name, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's Bible reading is from Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 to, verse, uh, to chapter 14, verse 1. Is that okay? That's good. No worries. <coughs> wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are you are earthly masters. Not by the way of eye service, as people pleases, but the sincerity of your heart. Fearing the Lord, whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord are not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back. For the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bond service justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, buddy. Oh, morning, church. Good to gather, you know. There's a lot of churches that can't still gather everything going on. Did I move it this far, Andrew? Is that? Yeah, okay, we're good. <coughs> um, yeah, exciting. Just want to make a quick announcement before we uh, jump into things is um, uh, if you're able to join us next Sunday, that'd be great. We're going to be having our AGM, or two weeks, sorry, forgive me, two weeks from now, which um, look, if you consider yourself a part of this church and this is your church home, um, it's important that you come. Um, you know, it's, it's, we're a family, right? And, and so, you know, when, um, when mom or dad say, hey, we, we've got some family stuff we need to talk about. Well, you don't go, eh, I don't really, maybe you do. Hopefully you didn't. But, you know, I don't really know if I want to go to that. It's boring. Like, you know, it's important, right? And mom and dad are, are, are having uh, important discussions that they want, like the things that they want to discuss and, and, you know. Uh, or, or, you know, maybe less serious, I guess, if mom and dad said, hey, we really want to talk about the holiday next year. Um, guaranteed the kids would go, oh, yeah, well, you know, we, we want to come. Well, okay, well, you know. So, so it's important that as we think about where our church is and, and where we are, um, really should be heading, 
it's important that you come um, and, and to be here and to hear those things. It's important for our church to really lean in and, and, and to understand that, that in order for us to thrive and flourish, we actually need to put our shoulder to this, right? This, this is not just going to perpetuate itself. Like, like this is, you know, our church will only survive by the grace of God, but it's by us putting our shoulder to it as well. So, um, yeah, that's a little foretaste of, of uh, some of the things I'm going to talk about at the AGM. So, um, hopefully it's not, yeah, hopefully it'll be a good time. And then it'll be a good time to connect afterwards. And we can all somewhat gather, even though we'll be here and people will be out there. So, we'll see how that'll go. Uh, but it'll be good just to gather both services again together. Um, you know, it's, it sort of feels like having two services. And if this, believe me, the first church I worked at had like six services or something. It was like a thousand people. It was, it was big and all that stuff. And it sort of feels like, um, I don't know, feel two services sort of feels like it's almost like going to two weddings or something. Like it sort of feels like two different, if it's weird. But anyway, here we are because we have to do it because of COVID. But um, so that said... Um, today, Andrew, appreciate the prayer, brother. We're talking about um, families and um, specifically children um, and fathers. You know, I, I don't know what I don't know what kind of home you grew up in, um, but here's the thing. I guess when you hear a sermon like this, it's easy to critique the home you grew up in. Like, oh, wish I grew up in that. And that, that you know, okay, fair enough. Um, but I also hope that the, the accent, if you want to call it that, the accent of the text is, is also encouraging and exhorting you to not just go, well, bummer, I sort of grew up in that home and that's why I'm the way I am. And, you know, yeah, anyway. But actually, it says gives you a vision, gives you a greater picture of what the family could look like. Right? So rather than just... Now, and let me say this as well for this service. Uh, many of you, the idea of parenting is sort of, you know, two seasons ago in your life. Right? Uh, maybe three. And... Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, and I was thinking about this actually. I was saying, sharing this with April last night is, is um, one of the things, if, if you read um, First Timothy... Um, Paul, he, as he writes to his, his young protege there, and he talks about two ladies that actually influenced this, actually led this guy, Timothy, to Christ, and had, who had great impact on his life. It was his mother and his grandmother. It says, yeah, you know, you've learned the faith from your mother and your grandmother. So all that to say is... Um, Two, two ways you could fall off the horse, I guess, this morning is to say, well, wish I had that family. Oh, well. Or, my, I guess my parenting days are done. Oh, well. But I just want to encourage you, those of you that are in that bracket, which is, which is most of you in here, right, is to say, okay, well, how, how can I have an impact on my grandkids for the glory of God? Um, again, I mean, I think it's not... You only have so much space in a papyri script uh, back in the day. You only have so much space to write. Does that make sense? Like you can't like delete and keep printing things out. Like it's papyri script is expensive. So when Paul wrote to Timothy and he put it on a papyri script, he included the grandmother in there, right? Like you didn't have to do that. And he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write those things. 
So grandmas and grandpas that are in here, hey, you have a huge opportunity to have an impact on your grandkids and, and, and to share the gospel with them. And, and you know, I, honestly, my grandpa had a massive imprint on my life. Guy wasn't a Christian <laughs> at all. Far from it, sadly. Um, but he had just a huge shape on my life. I, I, I was just thinking about him yesterday, actually. And, um, you know, I still, the guy's like 15 years dead now. I'm still kind of scared of the guy, to be honest. Um, you know, you just don't mess with grandma. <laughs> um, but, you know, he had, a, he had a massive impact on my life. And the, the point I'm driving there is, is um, it's easy to hear a sermon like this today and think, well, parenting's behind me now. That's true. But again, um, for many of you, that's true. Um, for the second service, it won't, they're sort of in the, th- in the throes of it at the moment. Um, but, wow, what, a, what an opportunity you have. Particularly, if, by the way, particularly if your kids aren't Christians, like your immediate kids, which many of you have, like, you've shared that with me. Well, my son or my daughter is not a Christian. Well, your grandchild is probably their only exposure they might get to the gospel might just be you. Like, that's massive, right? So, um, what an opportunity for evangelism. And what an opportunity as well for those of you that have kids that are Christians and that are going to a good church to reinforce what mom and dad are already doing in the home. I encourage you to do this. Um, ask, your, ask your kid, if, if, they're, if, if your child is a Christian and they're a parent themselves, ask them, say, hey, so, so what are you doing right now that um, I can just be reinforcing with you and partnering with you for, you know, little Billy or little Susan or whatever, right? Um, oh, well, we're, do, well, you know, we're really struggling with his behavior, da, 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 and we're trying to teach him, da, da, da. That's great. I can just try to be reinforcing that, and I can be praying for you for that. So again, all, like stacks of opportunities. Um, the Lord has designed, like families are to really be an incubator of discipleship. It's a greenhouse of discipleship. And, um, you know, the, the, the family is, is not just sort of a, a peripheral or, or an afterthought or sort of secondary to faith. It's, it's actually where faith can blossom the most. And, and I wasn't, I say all that, I wasn't raised in a Christian home at all. Um, at all. And, um, but I've, uh, I've, I've come to actually, I think, realize maybe even since having kids, the importance of, of the, the nuclear family, particularly, and, and the influence that I need to have as a father, and though not perfect, on my kids, and to disciple my kids, and, and to catechize my kids, and, and raise my kids, and ask questions, and, and, and shepherd my kids' hearts. Um, just absolutely massive. Um, yeah. I remember I was at a conference once with like 10,000 ministers, right? And that's massive. Um, and this is not like a little cheesy leadership conference. This was like a heavy, like, theological conference, right? Where these, we, these weren't just like little, you know, cheesy guru pastors. These are like, you know, dudes that really care about the Bible. A- and the guy up at the stage said, who here, just, you know, ha- I want to see, just sort of do his own little survey. I just want to see, you know, out of a show of hands, how many of you 
were led to Christ or, or formed to know Christ because you were raised in a Christian home, stand up right now. Honestly, it's probably two-thirds of the, of the conference. And April and I weren't. We're like, wow, praise God. Like, I, I wasn't, right, at all. But it just shows you. It just, it, to me, it was like, okay, I, jury, your honor, the, let me speak no more sort of thing. Like, it was like, that, that's so clear. And, I, and, I, and then April and I, we both felt like two things. April and I thought, well, thank God that the Lord's been kind and, and saved us. And then secondly, wow, what responsibility we have as parents as well. And so um, I hope, yeah, all that to say is I hope you can feel that this morning as we jump into the text. Um, it's interesting. So last week we talked about uh, Paul, he, what does he do here in, in this little section on the family? First, he addresses people, right? Like he actually addresses them. He addresses wives and husbands and kids and slaves and masters. And then after he addresses them, he gives them a command, right? You know, blokes, here's your command. Kids, here's your command. Uh, that, that's what's going on here as well. You, you can almost picture it like this, right? Um, the church in Colossae is gathered possibly in someone's lounge room. More likely, though, they're hiring out a meeting hall across town because of the size of the church. And when this letter arrives, the letter is read out loud. And so there you have gathered together moms, dads, single adults, grandmas, you know, nans, pops, kids probably sitting on their parents' laps, kids probably fidgeting with things, teenagers drifting off, thinking about something else, so on and so forth. There's this church in Colossae, and Dan did a great job sort of painting them of all different socioeconomic backgrounds, etc., etc., etc. But they're all gathered together. There they are, hanging out. And it's interesting, as the letter is read out, the children at this point might have, might have dawned on them, oh, wait a minute. He's talking to me. And maybe it's because mom and dad sort of, you know, gave him a little elbow nudge at this point. You know, but it's, it suddenly occurs to them, children, well, he's, he's talking to me. Right? He's, he's, he's addressing me. And, and the, the, the word children there, it, it can mean from everyone from a young child to a young adult. Basically, if you're still under your parents' roof. Still under your parents' supervision. Okay, you haven't gone off and gotten married yourself and had your own family. You're still under your parents' supervision. So, which, that could be um, several people in our church. And then, so what is Paul's word to you then? He says, so first, a word to children, and then he's going to do a word to dads. The, world, the word to children is this. Children obey your parents. Actually, let's look at it together. Colossians 3. He says, children, see it there, verse 20? Children, obey your parents in everything. Whoa. Is this guy for real? Children, obey your parents in everything? 
Well, I think two questions we need to ask is, well, like, what, what, what does the word obey mean, and then what should the motivation behind it be? Right? So what's, what's the meaning, and what's the motivation? So let, let's start with the first one. What, what's the meaning? Well, there's not a lot of rocket science here. I mean, the, for understanding this word obey, it simply has the idea of listening and then complying with what you've just heard. One person gives the order, the other follows it. But just wait a second. Okay, fair enough. One person gives the order, the other follows it. I say you do. Paul says, though, do that in everything. Whoa. Everything? Well, obviously, if your parents, you know, tell you to drink poison or drive off a cliff, you know, you shouldn't do that. Obviously, if your parents tell you to sin, you shouldn't do that. But on the whole, God has placed parents in a unique position of authority, and the child should live in submission to them. Contrary to what our culture right now teaches or practices or believes, this is the Lord's design. And God takes obedience to parents very seriously. I mean, if you don't believe me on that, read the Old Testament. <laughs> right? Thank God I live in the New Covenant because I'd be dead. But God takes obedience to parents very seriously. In fact, let me say this though. Rather than, when, rather, I guess rather than us just dismiss it and say, well, good, we're in the New Covenant. Do you know that the way in which we treat our parents actually affects God's disposition towards you. What do I mean by that? Well, children obey your parents in everything for this, what? Pleases the Lord. So, here we have the motivation, right? Children obey your parents in everything because if you do, you'll get an ice cream cone or a lolly. Children, obey your parents in everything because it makes sense to you. And you'll want to do it. Is that what it says? No. Children, obey your parents because they're always wonderful and nice. Is that what it says? No, and even those that have been parents know that it's not true either. Children, obey your parents because... Will be, they will be so proud of you. No. Look, what does it say? Children, obey your parents in all things, right? Or you could say, in all respects. And here's the real purpose behind it. For this pleases the Lord. The motivation here is quite simple and straightforward. Children, teenagers obey mom and dad, and when you do, guess what? It pleases the Lord. But let's, let's just reverse that. Children, disobey your parents, and what happens? Displeases God. It's pretty straightforward. And here's what I want to say. Those of you that are still in that context right now, still living in that sphere, I guess, where you are under mom and dad's supervision. You're in under their authority, so to speak. 
do you ever thought about, think about this. Did you ever think that obeying them actually brings God pleasure? That obeying them, it, it, what it does actually, it, you can almost picture it this way. Jesus, as it were, looks down from heaven and takes delight in that moment when you obey, even when it's extremely difficult to do so. That God derives joy from you obeying your parents. So do you want to please God? Obey mom and dad and respect them. Uh, again, if, if you're still under your parents' supervision, if that's you and, and you claim to be a Christian, well, given the context of your life right now, this is how you demonstrate the authenticity of your faith. We cannot say Jesus is Lord of our life and continually disobey our parents. It is part of our Christian walk to live in obedience to mom and dad. And I just want to say this as well. We've all disobeyed our parents, everybody in this room. Even those of us that are the most people-pleasing parent, mom and dad suck-ups <laughs> have all, because you know why? We've actually probably done it in our heart. You know? We, we, even if it's, depending on, oh, I was the perfect kid. Yeah. And how about when you went to your room? <laughs> Close the door, right? <laughs> what were you doing gritting your teeth? What were you saying? Dad's an idiot. Mom's stumped. Like, that's, that's what was going on in your heart, right? They don't know. They've always been this old. They don't understand me, right? And particularly, generationally speaking, um, particularly if you're a boomer, right? right? I mean, like, that's just throw off the parents as authorities. We don't need no education. Ding, ding, ding. Hey, teacher, leave. But how stupid, right? Throw your books down. Don't tell the authorities. Don't, you know, you, you, you tell them. That, that's, that's, that's your culture, right? Um, we've all, but here's the good news, though. Even though we've sinned and even though we deserve, what's the punishment in the Old Testament, by the way? Death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, friends. We have all disobeyed our parents. We've all sinned against them in thought, in deed, in action, and we deserve death for that. But Jesus died in our place. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. You have no merit to stand before God based on your perfect obedience and being the perfect child. The only merit you have to stand before God is the son of God who took, as it were, the discipline, the spanking, so to speak, for you in your place. Praise God for that. We will never stand before God on our own two feet, so to speak, or on our own merits, or our own, oh, don't you know I was the, the, the perfect kid? First of all, it's not true. And second, we can only stand before God because of Jesus' righteousness. His life lived perfectly. So the Lord takes disobedient rebels like us and still forgives us. That's great news. That's a word to children. Now how about a word to parents? 
right? Children have a responsibility to obey, but parents have responsibility as well, and that comes in verse 21. We've looked at a word to children, now a word to parents, especially dads. Colossians 3.21 says, fathers, and you can translate that parents too, but um, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. It's interesting that Paul does not command fathers to exercise their authority here. It's not as if he says, dads, let them know who the boss is. No, what's his, what's his concern? His concern, his focus is on dads not provoking or irritating or stirring up or embittering their children. Why? Because if you do, you'll break their spirit. At first, they might fight back, but eventually they'll become totally disheartened. It's an awful picture, isn't it? The dad who's given the mantle to lead his family, who is the head of the household, uses that authority to crush his kids to, to the point where they've simply just given up trying to please him anymore. It's kind of like, um, have you ever been very hungry? I call it the bitter bear syndrome. You're so hungry that you're kind of like a bit testy. Or is it just me? You know, you, you, just, become, you just need to eat something, right? You're feeling sort of shaky. You're like, ugh, and you just feel kind of on edge. You just need to eat. But if you keep on that path and say you don't eat, you sort of move beyond the, the sort of provoked irritation to just being lethargic and sort of just flat and famished. That's what happens when fathers continually provoke their children. Is, is it actually just, it, it, it rips their heart out. They just, they don't care to even try to obey anymore. They're completely indifferent. It's an awful picture. Now, how do you think this happens? He says, don't provoke, because this is what will happen. What are some of the, let me get some feedback from you guys. What are some of the ways? And by the way, like I said, this word, you could, I think, <laughs> it's fathers in Greek, but you could, there are a couple times that word used is also, it's referring to parents as well. So certainly moms in here, if you've been a mom, you know you've provoked your kids, right? This isn't like, oh, good, well, my husband really should be in here in this. Um, you know, like this is parents, right? We can all provoke our kids. So um, how do you think? What are, what are some, give me some feedback. What would be some of the ways that we would provoke our children? Overreacting? Yeah. Yep. Never praising them. Yeah, never praising them, right? Always criticizing them. Yeah. I Can I say something that I... Well, I hope I'm not out of place to say this, but um, I mean this because I love you. I, really, I hope I'm not out of place. I hope you guys don't get distracted with this, okay? But I feel like in the Aussie culture, that's something that tends to be, you guys tend to flop on that side as not, not um, encouraging people like you should. Your, your, your love language is ripping people down, shredding them down. So, again, I love you guys. I know you're, I'm not speaking to, you know, I don't have people in there. I'm just saying, culturally speaking, I've noticed there's a bit of that that happens here. Okay? And so I think you, it would be easy to, 
and don't have any say stupid American, who, who does he think he is? My culture has all its blind spots and flaws, okay? But I th and, I, and I moved out here because I love this place and I love you guys, okay? But I think it's, I've noticed that, yeah, I, I would wonder if that would be very common, you know? It's just, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like this real sort of, wow, how, <laughs> that just to take the wind out of a kid, right? So just be aware of that again. What else? Where would be some of the provoking ways? Punishing them first without knowing who did it. Punishing them first without knowing who did it? Mm. Yeah. What do you mean? It could be one of their siblings that's done it. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you assume that it was probably them because it was typically them? So Harriet's saying punishing them without knowing. Like, you know, it's usually the darn firstborn. And it, on this occasion, it wasn't the firstborn? but you're going in like ready to have the firstborn cop it, right? Because they're always the one. I'm going to talk about that in actually just a minute. Yep. What else? What are these? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So putting um, unrealistic expectations on them what you expect them to, sort of almost kind of vicariously living through them in a way. And, and you have these expectations, and when you, your expectations, which are, it's good to have expectations, let's talk about that in just a moment, but unrealistic ones is, I think, that's where it goes off the rails, right? Um, all right, well, let me, let me give you a, a couple of them. Um, well, how about this? I'll give you a couple ideas of provoking. One extreme, the other extreme, and then a few in the middle. How does that sound? So we'll go one extreme. One extreme, some of you are already hitting on this before, is this overly authoritative parent. Uh, they use an angry and a harsh tone to bully their children into behaving a certain way. Now, initially, the child will become embittered by that, but give them time and the child is likely just to lose heart. That, that's, sort of, that's sort of one extreme, overly authoritative, always harsh, always critical, and we, we, we're, we hit on that. The other extreme, though, that can be just as provoking is actually the hands-off approach, where you don't instruct or you correct your kid. Um, you see, this is where the kid throws a fit and the parent is confused, right, by that or they're embarrassed. And so what do they do? Sort of to wait to make peace, they take the easy way out and give in to the child's demands. You've seen this. Just go to the shops. It's all over the place, right? The problem though is you're actually, what you're doing is there's a number of issues with that, but here's, here's the problem as well. Do you know what your kid is learning? What you're actually teaching them? Yeah. That he or she, Mary, yep. Mary, why don't you come on up here and tell that, you know, give the, yeah. What is your child learning? Oh, look, you know what I can do? I can throw a conniption fit and get my way. Eventually, I'll exasperate mom and dad. Eventually, I'll just wear them out and I'll get what I want. What terrible adult that makes. They'll do that with their, and, and you know what the thing is too, amongst all these things, do, do you know, it's, it is important that your kids learn to obey 
and learn a deference, of author- a deference to authority, I should say, or the idea of submitting to authority, get with the real world. I mean, like, you're not always going to be the one in authority. We're all, we're all old enough to know that now, aren't we? You know, the, 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 you, you, we're not to make these little princesses and princes in our home, but we are to actually put, be the ones in authority over them that God has designed it that way. And so there's a, that, that, that sort of the hands-off approach, what it actually does is the kid rages even more because the kid, listen, kids don't have at five or six or even a 16-year-old, they don't have the, the bandwidth to be able to discern the world around them and to know that their behavior is usually out of line. It's your job to do that and to lovingly instruct them and to correct them and to discipline them. That, that's, that's your job. What do you expect the kid at five years old to sort of say, you know what, I feel like my behavior is a bit irrational right now in Woolies. <laughs> and, and given that there's a deference to authority here that you're my parent and given what the, the pastor was saying coming out of Colossians chapter three and we're supposed to be new creations in Christ, come on. It's, it's, it's your job to actually coach, instruct, to lead, to discipline your kid. You know, it's, they're going to, they're, they're asking questions about life. They're asking questions about, and, and they want to know, they, I will say this too, as much as, as much as for whatever reason parents don't think this, it's healthy and good for kids to have parameters, to be told no, you may not eat that. And if you throw a fit, daddy will have to discipline you. My, my, my son calls this sermon, he heard me pre- preaching this this morning, goes, mom, oh no, dad's giving the spanking sermon today. <laughs> he, he mean? <laughs> yeah. So that's, those, are the, those are the two extremes. Look, because here's, here's, here's what I think. You can hear this sermon say, oh, well, I'm not heavy-handed with my kids so I don't provoke them. You can be just as provoking by not doing anything and letting your kid just run amok and not giving them any parameters. That's just as damaging to them. So those are the two extremes. Let me give you two in the middle. How about that? One of them would be the exaggerating parent, right? The exaggerating parent uh, tends to use words like always, never, all the time, instead of dealing with each individual matter separately. They lump everything at once into the conversation, which provokes the child and distracts from the real issue of what's, been, what's happened, what's going wrong. So we need to stick with the issue. You always do this. You're always saying that. You're always being mean to your sister. Is it true? Always? Well, no. But in the moment, to sort of drive home the point, you sort of, and you're uh, irritated, right? You, you exaggerate. You, you, and and it's, it's actually, exaggeration is uh, Ephesians 4.25. It's, it's, it's not speaking the truth in love, right? It's, it's lying. It's, mis, it's, it's misrepresenting the truth. So exaggeration can actually provoke a child. And, and it gives them a t-shirt to wear that says, I'm this or I'm that. Right? It's kind of like what Harriet was saying er, earlier. It's like, oh, you're always doing that. And, and there probably is some truth to that. You know, we're all shaped and we're all so different, right? 
mean, I have four kids, and all four are so different. Even Eden is a totally different baby than all the rest of the four. Like, it's just, they're all so different. But, I, but so, given that some of them have certain bents, they're going to go a certain way, and I have to learn those bents, as it were. Some of them are going to have more of a tender conscience. Some of them are not. I, I mean, I won't name their names. I can, but, but that's, that's, how the, that's how they are. Just like all of you with your kids. So the exaggerating parent, that's somewhere in the middle. Does that make sense? A little bit? Yeah. Look, I struggle with that big time. I tend to be, you know, being a preacher, I can use my words to hopefully turn and, and promote, and, but I can just, I can just, I can spew some real nasty things. And my kids, and sadly, have copped it, and I've had to ask their forgiveness for that. Um, the exaggerating parent, this is, uh, this is one that also, I'll just, uh, let's just make this a confession this time. How about that? Um, the cheeky parent, this is the parent that's always teasing their kid. Um, look, I, I think that's a, probably a struggle for us dads because we like to have fun. And it's good, and you shouldn't always just be, you know, the, you know, the serious dad. But, but look, your kids, you know, they don't need a comedian. They, they need a Christ-centered father figure, okay? And usually your kids don't think you're funny either. <laughs> Hence the whole dad joke. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think, and by the way, when, when I marry off my daughters, I don't think they're going to say, Dad, you were the funniest guy ever. And even if they did, if that's, the, if that's it, like, I have stunk as a dad. Right? Like, that's, that's it. Oh, Dad. And, and they're not, they don't think I'm funny. I think I'm funny. But, but they don't think I'm very funny. And it's not my job to be the comedian in their life and to just sort of tease them. And, and the problem with teasing them, too, is it's like, look, they're, they're probably teased enough by their friends at school. They're teased enough by, like, just society around them. They need you to be an encourager to them. They don't need you to poke fun at them. They get enough of that. So, I, again, I'm not saying, you know, don't mishear, don't, you know, hear me incorrectly. I'm saying it's, it's fine to have fun with your kids, but there's a level where the, um, I reckon the, the provoking dad is actually the cheeky dad. Um, maybe even unintentionally, but, um, so yeah. Now, those are, so, those are sort of the word to parents. That's sort of a warning. So what are we supposed to do then, right? <laughs> those are all the ways that we can, that's kind of like, oh man, yeah, that one, that one, that one, that one. And we can go on and we can name more. But rather than sort of it land there and say, so, which one are you? Oh, gee, I was that one. The good news is, is the Lord gives us a lot of guidance as parents. You know, the, the parallel passage this in Ephesians says, fathers, do not provoke your children, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, right? Let me close by looking at a passage in the book of Deuteronomy with you. So go to the left in your Bible. This is an encouraging text. So Deuteronomy is a fascinating book because um, the nation of Israel is just about to enter the land of Canaan, right? So they, they are literally, they can, they can see it. Um, like if we're standing here and, we, and we're all, you can't see what I can see, but we can all see in the distance, you know, whatever, some suburb. We could probably see, I think that hill back there is Narara or, or whatever, right? We, we, can, we can see Narara or we can see Lizaro in the distance. The, the nation of Israel is, is geographically at that place. 
So Moses gathers all the nation of Israel, and he says, look, I'm about, I'm about to die, but I want you to know this. I'm going to give you one long, reminding sermon about everywhere where we've been as a nation, what God requires of you, because if we're going to go into this land and we're going to stay there and we're going to flourish, this is how it has to roll. Make sense? So then, fascinating. In Deuteronomy 6, look what he says. Deuteronomy 6. He says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, um, Neither a man or a woman makes a special vow. Um, sorry, that's numbers. I'm way off. That's the Nazarite vow. Deuteronomy 6. This is called the Shema. Here we go. Now this is the commandment, the statutes, the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God. So why do these things? You fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son by keeping all his statutes and commandments, which I commanded you all the days of your life. So you see already his concern there is, is this, it's this idea of passing on, right? He's saying like, look, it's your job to, to, to remind your kids of this so that when you die, they know if, if they disobey me, like this is, it's not going to go well. And then hear what he says, right? Verse five, hear, O Israel, hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to, to do them that if may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, as the Lord, the God of your fathers has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You know this passage, Jesus quoted this, right? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Now, ready? You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Wow, that's pretty comprehensive. Did you see that? What is God's concern for, the ne for parents to teach their kids the law of the Lord? When they sit, when they walk, all the spheres of life. So what does that look like for us in a very busy society where we're not standing on the plains of Moab? It's very simple. The, the same principle applies to parents today. We're, we're to spiritually invest into our kids. Right? We're to be the primary disciplers of our children. A, a, a simple way to teach them is to do something called family devotions. Some of you have been in my house and you've seen me do this. It's nothing super, you know, I've got a four-year-old, right? So it's not like I'm giving an exegesis of revelation or something. But like currently, we're just, we're going through um, Genesis, the story of Joseph. And so we, we read the book of Genesis, just a, a portion of it. We talk about it. We pray together. We sing a hymn together. That's it. Takes 15 minutes, maybe 20. It's not long, but it's developing. And the, the kids are asking good questions it's just basic family devotions. Another thing you can do is, I strongly encourage you to do this, um, or, or do the, you can do this, start doing this with your grandkids. Catechize your kids. Use the Westminster Confession, Shorter Catechism. What is the chief end of man? 
a catechism is it's you're, you're, you're giving them a, uh, a worldview. They're going to gain a worldview somewhere. You're, what you're doing is you're, you're actually helping them assess life, God, their sin. So what is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. So why are you here, kid? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. Why are you guys here? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. You, you walk through, it, it, it hits the Trinity, it hits key doctrines. Who is God? God is a spirit. Does God have a body? No, you see what I mean? Like it's, it goes just incredible. Like these are very basic things that we can be doing as parents that is living this, these principles out. Look, don't feel bad if you haven't done any of these things. Start today. Start small. Start praying with your kids. These, these are just basic things that the Lord has given us. So um, I really hope, and, and my hope and my prayer is that this church is, is colored by this priority here of parents discipling their kids. Um, like if you were to ask me, right, like top five things that you want for this church, this would be right in that list. Really. I, I will make decisions as, as one of the elders here and push us in the direction that shapes our church to where this happens. Because this is absolutely critical. And so um, I, I'm, I've, yeah, I, I could go on and on and on, but we don't have time for that. So any questions before we wrap up and sing one last song? Yes, Juanita? Yeah, so, uh, you know, if you're, if you're a single, yeah, so it's, that's a great sermon for the perfect family, which there is no perfect family, right? That's, that's what I was saying. Even I have, to, I have to ask my kids forgiveness quite regularly. Um, but yeah, like, so it's a great question. What about single moms? Look, uh, it doesn't mean it's easy at all, right? And I, and I know, like, yeah. Um, but we're still given the mandate. We're still given the 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 principles to, to teach our kids, right? It doesn't make it easy, particularly if the, you don't feel united with, if you have an unbelieving spouse and they're kind of like, oh, what are you doing? Um, I would say as best you can, like it's, it's look, wisdom, there's gonna be a lot of wisdom there to apply and pray through and think through, right? Um, but I would say as, as best you can, like, and I th to your credit, Juanita, I think you did this quite well, is getting, having your boys be in church. Um, and, uh, I mean, we're still working on that Ross guy, but, um, <laughs> no, but, um, you know, to your credit, like, you didn't have an easy, like, lot to do all that, but, like, um, sorry, I don't keep embarrassing you here, but, um, <laughs> but, like, no, like, look, here, here's, I'll switch, I'll switch, I'll switch the, take it off one, you just, okay, so, but, like, um, here, here's one thing that I just want to encourage. So, let's just say that, you know, obviously you're, you're married to, this is all going to be all hypothetical here, but let's say that you're married to a non-Christian, right? And you have kids and you want to you wanna do this sort of stuff. Okay, well, how does that work if your spouse is like, yeah, no. Okay, well, 
um, you have to work through, first of all, priorities. You have to work through, you have to have, obviously, hopefully a good conversation, and you're hopefully having good communication with your spouse in general, and, and trying to explain and what the gospel is and what it means to follow God and, and, and all those things. But beyond all of that, beyond all of that, is there's still, I, would, I think, honestly, if you can get your kids here, and they're able to hear God's word preached each week, that was going to shape them. So let's just say, you know, again, you may not be able to do the family devotions like the Genesis thing. <laughs> if you, and if you come, you've actually seen me do this with our kids in our, in our lounge room. Like, it's far from perfect. You know, Ellie's like hanging off the couch and, you know, and all, and all those things. But, um, but April and I are, are united in that. But let's just pretend that I'm not a Christian and then April's like, oh, and we don't have that going on. Well, the bare minimum she can be doing is praying with our kids. I would be saying to, you know, your spouse, look, I, I want them to have a worldview, don't you? And I think this is a good ethical worldview. Don't you think that? Well, yeah, I guess it is. Okay, well, I want to go through this catechism with them. I'm not asking you to do it, but I want to do it with them. I want to read the Bible with the kids. That's important. Like, you know, this, this, my Christ, the Christianity, the God I serve is all-encompassing. It's not... This is, you know, I hope it's helping me be a better wife or a husband to you or whatever, you know? Um, and so I, I think this is best for our kids. Um, and so, you know, there's, again, there's a lot of communication that happens between there and here and there sort of thing. But, but the last thing I just want to say is it's um, going back to that hands-off parent illustration I was talking about. You know, the, oh, I, I reckon it is dangerous to allow your kids to choose if they want to come to church or not. Yeah. Really. Like, that doesn't mean that you grab them by the ear and say, you're going to, you know, no, but listen, this is the one place where they're going to hear, or hopefully hear, a, a Christ-centered exposition of God's word. They're going to hear Andrew praying. They're going to be processing what Christianity is. Does, is, this, is this even relevant to my life? Now, how does this work with, like, my friends and other religions and sexuality? They're, like, they're asking all those questions, Right? And so, like, what better place for them to be than here? To be sitting under that, to be asking questions to you afterwards. It's, it's, it's a nightmare to, it's to be kid-driven and say, well, look, you know, they, they don't really want to come here. Tough. Like, uh, that's, w w would you do the same thing if, like, if they were, if they had coronavirus and, and say, oh, well, they don't, they don't want to go to the doctor. So I'm just going to, I'm going to let them just, you know, they, they're, they're really deathly ill. But I don't want, you know, they'd be really unhappy if I asked them to go to the GP. Would you, would you do that? Would any parent do that? So you wouldn't say, oh, I'm going I'm to be hands off. I'm just let them decide if they want to. Look, if they want to go to the GP and, and, you know, save their life, that's great. Spiritually speaking, that's what we're doing now. You see? We're saying, oh, look, you know, I just, I'll let them decide. No, wait. Like, look, all four of my kids... They will come, as long as they're under my house, they will come to this church or whatever church I'm pastoring. God willing, it's here. Okay? And, and even if they're like, oh, I hate it. Whatever. Why do you hate it? Because it's boring. Why is it boring? You see, you don't just go, it's not just this stubborn spitting match. That's, that's a great chance. If they say, I hate it, I hate everything about it. Whoa. Well, man, where, where are you at? That's, that's a great, that's a segue for me. You know, I don't, I, well, because, you know, this, this, or this. Well, 
what if we thought about, you see what I'm saying? Like it's to me, it's, it's not a, it's never, it's never, never, never like a, it goes back to the kid of not having the wisdom to even decide what's right and wrong as well. This is the best thing for them. So anyway, thanks. Sorry, you got me on a long tangent there, but, and I embarrassed you in the process. Probably no one's going to ask a question now for that reason. Any other questions over for me? Yeah, Judy. Yes. Sure. And so under God, I believe I needed to be both father and mother in many situations, nearly all situations. Oh, sure. I was often absent. Yeah. Came home to sleep and that was it. Mm. And uh, my son in his more recent years mm. has thanked me numerous times for being a tough mum. Mm. Yeah. No, it's good. It's a good comment. Just Judy was just saying, you know, it's hard what you do when your husband's sort of just advocating, sort of just, hey, this is your deal. I'm going to just go to, I'm going to, kind of like the Mary Poppins, you know, when the dad comes home and he goes, what does he sing? How merry is the life that I live. You know, I bring my, pat my kids on the head and send them off to bed, you know, and just to dare like dad, right? Like, not only inv- not involved, or like more recent one, like The Incredibles, you know, where, the, where it's like that all the kids are going, no, never mind, no one knows The Incredibles, forget it. Next service. There's this mo- thing, movie out there, guy. anyway, so, yeah. All right. Um, yeah, look, I, I, hope, I hope to our church culture is one that we encourage each other to parent well for the glory of God as well. And um, great opportunity for you guys that have walked this road as well, in closing. For the, next gen- for the next service or next generation to be an encouragement to them, we, we need it. We need the wisdom. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I'm far from perfect family. So, anyway, why don't we pray? Father, we again, we help us, Lord, in this massive calling of parenthood. Uh, Lord, we pray that uh, we would, there would be homes in this, in this church that honor you in the way that we parent. May we teach our children when we walk and when we sit and when we lay down the things of God. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.